So all right, hello out there and welcome back. This is Beck Barnes and Jim Stebman of Cotton Grower and we are coming at you from the historic Cotton Grower Studios right here in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, where we are picking up the pieces here in the Bluff City after a particularly stormy weekend here in mid-January. I know some of y'all know a good bit about that, so we, we may talk about that a little later. But uh, whether you are joining us from Buckeye or Bainbridge, we welcome you back to this, the award-winning Cotton Companion podcast. Uh, I am joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Cotton Growers Senior Editor, Mr. Jim Stebman. Howdy, Jim. Hey, Beck. Hello, everybody, and Happy New Year. Yeah, this is our New Year's episode. It is our New Year's edition. Episode. I yes. appreciate you bringing that up. So many things have been happening, I lose track that that was, the, that was just about 10, 11 days ago now. So um, we are back in our office. As I say, it's now a chilly January Monday. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we got slammed by that nasty storm front. It had tornadoes and malicious straight line winds uh, blowing across much of the Mid-South and some of the Southeast, I believe, uh, or I, probably a good bit of Texas, too, to be honest. I wasn't watching the, the entire country uh, on the Weather Channel, uh, but I know that uh, I was getting texts on Saturday morning from a lot of my buddies across the Mississippi Delta and uh, just some wild pictures that folks were sending around of trains flipped off of train tracks and damaged the stuff I hated to see, equipment up in farm shops that was all turned over and grain bins all uh, ripped apart and uh, you just hate you hate to see that um, y'all know as always uh, you farmers out there who are dealing with this y'all are in our thoughts and prayers we know it's uh, not not a fun thing to do to deal with one of the hazards of the job that destructive weather so um, uh, we are thinking about you I promise you uh, aside from that Jim here was out in Austin for the beltwide cotton conferences and by the grace of God he made it back without uh, <laughs> having a flight delayed it seems like every time i go through dallas uh something happens and i'm there delayed or or rerouted and i think it all depends on if you go through love field or dfw that's uh, well you you must know the secret because i i do not i yeah i I was you know we we made it back in record time i think there was a pretty good tailwind yeah uh you know as, as things were brewing up behind us uh getting back over to memphis but you know, glad to get here safely before all of the excitement started. Yeah, yeah, and, and dodging all that stuff, I, I know it was no fun. So, um, uh, as I say, I know I know from personal experience, Dallas can be a mess when there's weather. But thankfully, Jim is back with us, and as such, he's got a lot to share from being there at that uh, Beltwide. So we'll get into that here in a bit. The first thing we want to do is bring you a short message from our sponsors, Phytogen. Phytogen is pleased to sponsor the Cotton Companion, bringing you the latest news to help you thrive all season long. So, all right, that is a timely Phytogen ad, as always, uh, because at this moment, we're going to bring you all a brief custom content segment featuring our own custom content editor, Robin Sichtberg. Now, she recently spoke with Joel Faircloth, an old buddy of mine. Uh, He is Phytogen's U.S. portfolio manager, and we are going to bring you that custom interview segment right now. Hello, I'm Robin Sitberg, Custom Content Editor at Meister Media Worldwide, publisher of Cotton Grower Magazine. And my guest on the program today is Dr. Joel Faircloth, Phytogen U.S. Cotton Portfolio Manager. So welcome to the program. Thanks, Robin. Thanks for having me. We know we're looking into a new year and a new season. And of course, that means we're going to probably be looking into new varieties. And I've heard about a couple of new varieties that Phytogen has announced 
for this coming season, and what can you tell us about them? Uh, yep, so the new varieties coming up this year are Phytogen 400 and Phytogen 500, both uh, W3FE, and uh, we'll be introducing those in, in, in 2020 into our already kind of wide-ranging portfolio. We have very stringent criteria for advancement, and one of the stages that we've added is our Phytogen Horizon Network on-farm testing program. So these varieties were tested on, on 75 different farms in large blocks. From our meeting in December, we, uh, we had very, very positive feedback. So these growers are excited about these products, and we are excited about these products as well. Well, that's great to hear. Uh, what can you tell us in a little more detail about these two varieties? So Phytogen 400 is a mid-maturing, medium height, semi-smooth leaf variety that, that fits very well on, on both irrigated and non-irrigated land. Uh, well, I guess one thing I'd say about this, Robin, is it's a very manageable plant. It responds well to PGRs, and it responds very well to higher inputs and productive soils, so growers that want to that push that. Um, it does have bacterial blight and root knot nematode, as does Phytogen 500, which is the second one I'll mention. 500 is an extremely consistent variety. Uh, fits Lubbock South all the way over to Virginia down to Florida on a wide range of soil types. Um, it is also a smooth leaf, so it fits very well into that, uh, that, that the white fly area. And lastly, both of these have excellent fiber characteristics. So Micronair strength staple, very good. It carries the uh, phytogen breeding traits for bacterial blight and, again, root knot nematode resistance. In addition to the phytogen breeding traits that I mentioned, uh, both of these products also have wide strike three insect protection. We were the first ones in the market with a three gene BT back in 2014. Uh, and this has provided uh, excellent protection from pests like bollworm. And they also carry the Enlist cotton herbicide trait. These sound like wonderful additions to the Phytogen portfolio. That's exciting. Uh, but we have to wrap up now. So I want to thank you very much for being on the program. And um, as always, growers can go to phytogen.com for more information. So thank you very much. Thanks, Robin. All right, a big thank you to Robin and to Joel there. And uh, with that, we're going to get the ball rolling on this, the 63rd episode of the Cotton Companion Podcast. And uh, it's going to be a good one. Jim is going to be leading our news segment. Again, he's got a truckload of uh, sort of the newsy items that came out of that Austin uh, Beltwide Cotton Conferences that happened uh, last week. Uh, after that, we're going to be bringing you an interview that he conducted while he was there. This is an interview that I myself am excited about because <laughs> he was ang- able to wrangle our old friend, Dr. O.A. Cleveland, and our other old friend, Dr. Gerald Nieper, uh, both of whom are respected cotton market analysts, as you no doubt know. And uh, he somehow got them together in front of the same microphone and somehow put together a coherent interview. I'm sure that those two uh, had some lively discussion. I can't say it was simple, but it did happen. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. the, the uh, Siskel and Ebert of commodity pricing, uh, if you will, maybe they have a, a future uh, in that uh, mass media, mass entertainment uh, platform role. So anyhow, it promises, as I say, to be entertaining as it is informative. Uh, Before we get going on that, though, we just want to take a brief minute here to mention uh, our own bit of news that we dropped in the January issue, which should be in y'all's mailboxes right now. And that is the result of our annual cotton grower 
cotton acreage survey. Uh, each year, we it's a it's a pretty big undertaking. We solicit uh, uh, responses from thousands of people through our online inter, uh, invitations and our mailing in, invites, um, and we try to get our audience involved because nobody knows uh, this market better than y'all. Nobody knows the cotton market better than cotton farmers, and so we reach out to each of you to give us your acreage projections in your respective states. I also solicit responses from you know folks who are highly informed around our industry, uh, folks like extension experts and various association heads and uh, at the end of the day boy i have to tally up hundreds upon hundreds of responses it makes my head hurt um but it's because because i'm not a, a huge math guy uh but uh we uh we got it done as we always do and this year the number that we settled on our big number was uh, 12.08 million acres. That's how many acres we are projecting to be planted in the U.S. Cotton Belt, that's Upland and ELS, uh, in the 2020 growing season. Now, believe me when I tell you, when I, you know, I, I tally everything up on my iPhone calculator, you know, my iPhone, I can't do anything without it. Um, and when that number came across the screen, uh, Jim, I'm sure I've told you this, uh, it's, I was so surprised at how big that number was that I made myself redo. I thought that I'd gotten something wrong, and I went back and, and made sure I had all my numbers correct and retallied everything, re-added everything, got my averages. And uh, sure enough, it kept coming out to 12.08 million acres uh, across the belt. So to be certain, the reason that I was surprised is because I expected a much lower number. Um, I know that the farm economy is stressed, and I just figured, you know, I had told many people in the run-up to this thing, Jim probably told you as well, that I was expecting 10 million acres and think I, I had told, in fact, I had told people that uh, I would be thrilled if we were north of 10 million acres. Um, you know, anecdotally, my handful of farming buddies in the Mid-South and the Delta, the farmers who I'm, you know, buddies with, who I text with, uh, had to a person told me that they were moving acres out of cotton and into corn going into 2020. And I think that I kind of extrapolated the, that handful of antidotes uh, across the cotton belt. And I, well, everybody must be doing what these, you know, four or five <laughs> of my friends are doing. And uh, I was reminded after the survey number <clears throat> came back in of a, I once heard a very smart person say the plural of antidote is not data. Um, you know, only data is data, and this survey really held true to that. After we got all of our hundreds of responses in, uh, did we get a, a real fully fleshed out picture of what we expect to see in 2020? And, and correct me if we're wrong, but didn't wasn't this sort of like a record number of responses yeah. this year to the survey? Yeah, a little peek behind the curtain. We have a new audience department up in Cleveland, Ohio at our corporate offices, and they do a bang-up job of soliciting responses and getting y'all folks involved and thank you if you're listening to this and you solicited your uh, input uh, via our survey monkey survey or our mailing list uh, we appreciate you we appreciate your expertise but a bunch more y'all did that this year and it really gave us a, a clearer picture of what we expect to see in 2020 uh, again that 12.08 million acres uh, for my uh, circling back, you know, I told you my buddies had told me that they were going to be moving acreage out of cotton and into corn. Uh, my, you know, the four or five of those guys who told me that are all in the same little corner of the Mississippi Delta and Sunflower and Washington counties back where I'm from. Um, Mississippi, uh, for its uh, uh, 
it's in fact slated to plant some 650,000 acres of cotton in 2020. That is down only moderately from the 700,000 uh, acres that growers planted there in 2019. That was kind of a theme across the belt. Everybody was down, but only just a tad. Uh, Texas is gonna once again lead the way in 2020 with uh, 6.3 million acres uh, of cotton, according to our survey. And uh, again, that was uh, that's down, but only mildly so from what the Lone Star State planted in 2019. I mean, generally, that's the theme uh, across the cotton belt. Everybody down, but only a little bit. Uh, in 2019, cotton growers across the nation planted uh, 13.7 million acres. That's according to USDA final planted totals. Uh, so this estimate of 12.08 million for 2020, it does reflect in a, a reduction, but only a mild reduction. Again, it's just not as much as I would have imagined. Um, uh, you want to talk about themes of what, what we heard repeatedly from growers uh, in every region. Despite the narrow trading range that cotton has been stuck in for a year, it still pencils out competitively with all of the various alternative cropping op options that cotton goes up against no matter what state you're in, you know, the, the alternative changes. Um, but I think, you know, what that speaks to is the, nothing is untouched by these trade wars. No, no cropping option. There's no crop out there that is not feeling the effects of th this sort of stressed economy because of these trade wars. Um, and so, yeah, it's good for cotton. It's good for Cotton Grower Magazine. I hate that there's not, you know, something that you guys can switch to reliably that's really going great guns right now. But uh, for what it's worth, I expect that to change at some point in the 2020 year and y'all to get some relief. Uh, just couldn't tell you when. Hey, maybe Gerald and OA will be able to tell us. Well, they, they do have some thoughts that they, they will share, and I'll just, you know, just uh, without giving away the details. Uh, first of all, I, I do want to say after spending a week at Beltwide and talking with a lot of people in the cotton industry and, and certainly a number of the key economists in the market, they had all seen the numbers before, uh, before we all got to Austin and pretty much didn't have much of a problem with it. Yeah, that's, uh, I that's think always every, reassuring. I think, I think some were expecting acres to be down 8 to 10%. I think our, our number was like 12% lower, correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's, you know, I think depending on, considering the time of year, the timing that we did this, which is right after harvest, uh, it, it's a pretty good number. And if nothing else, if considering that, you know, we're seeing some price bump now, we're getting ready to see a U.S.-China phase one agreement signed, and God knows where that will lead us at this point, if anywhere. Uh, but if nothing else, we have set a, we've set a floor for the, uh, I think, for the acreage for this year. And, uh, and that's encouraging up, you know, uh, in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, it is, and, and <laughs> encouraging for me. The last thing, I, <laughs> the nightmare is that we put our number out and we go to Beltwide <laughs> where we drop it, and all of the economists and knowledgeable people go, "What the? You know, what are y'all talking about? There's no way we'll be near near to that." But that wasn't the case. It's good. It's that reassuring. That not the case. And and I think well, and now we're what we're month we're a month away from the National Cotton Council's annual meeting where they will release the results of their planting survey, which is uh, is being compiled now. Uh, so we'll be able to compare those two numbers and then certainly compare both of those to USDA's planting intentions report, which usually is the end of March. Yeah, that's end of March. So yeah. we'll have a couple more sort of uh, benchmarks before you guys are actually out there putting seed into the ground. So y'all know we will be paying attention. Uh, one last note, I will say uh, if there was one thing that sort of resonated across the belt for why folks are 
you know, optimistic on cotton, uh, more so than you might expect. Y'all uh, across the belt, uh, pretty regular response I heard was that you guys really hit it out of the park yield-wise. I think growing conditions on the whole weren't so bad this past year in 2019, and a lot of y'all really did a number on your yields. And you know, that makes that bear market uh, much easier to bear, if you will. Um, so anyhow, that's where we are. 12.08 million acres we are projecting for 2020. We will, time will tell how close we were. So um, anyhow, enough of that. I want to end my rambling there, Jim, and turn it over to you for our news segment. Like I say, you got a haul of things to discuss uh, coming out of that uh, Beltwide Cotton Conferences, so please, by all means, take it away. Okay, thanks, Beck. Obviously, uh, after uh, you know several days at the Beltwide Cotton Conferences, uh, just just to give you an idea, you know, it's 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 two and a half days of fifteen-minute presentations, basically, uh, except in certain segments, certain certain specialties. There was a lot of interest this year in the sustainability program that they had and it was very very interesting from my perspective to be sitting there and listening to the program the uh, uh, the presentations on uh, sustainability and the value and, and what we're seeing uh, what the information we're getting from the market and then be, then turn around and look at the room and it was standing room only and I could not count the number of young I hate to call them young people but you know <laughs> the the people who are significantly younger than me but basically the millennials and Generation X level folks who were in the room paying attention, and you know that's those are the people who are going to be driving the sustainability effort for us, and, and the interest is there, and the activity is there. So that was that was uh, interesting. Yeah, neat uh, to see. Yeah, the other the other segment, uh, other program that that seemed to generate a lot of attention was the uh, the session on the cotton leaf curl virus. Uh, that has been found in, in a number of states, and uh, and the fact that there's really no no set answers for it, um, you know, it it it's been found, but it, it never lo- seems like it never never looks the same in each state, never never you know shows up looking the same way. So uh, there's there's a lot of work to be done on that, and uh, it was obviously a, a topic of great interest to to the folks research folks that are there. But anyway. We're going to start with uh, with some more information uh, about new cotton varieties coming in 2020. There was some more discussion about that at the Beltwide. Uh, first of all, BASF announced that it's adding a new FiberMax variety to join the three new Stoneville B3XF varieties that they introduced last summer. Uh, those varieties performed well in limited exposure throughout the Southwest, Mid-South, and Southeast. The new FiberMax variety is, called, is, is now titled FM. 2202GL and it'll be targeted to those irrigated or dryland acres in the Texas High Plains and eastern New Mexico where insect protection traits generally aren't needed. Uh, as you, the, the company folks tell you, it, it gives you high yield potential with good fiber quality plus tolerance to drought and to verticillin wilt. So they were, uh, they were very excited about that. Cropland has also introduced two new B3XF varieties. Uh, the first, uh, named CP9210B3XF, it's an early to mid-maturity smoothleaf variety that's broadly adapted uh, to fit those early season geographies across the cotton belt. The other, named CP9830B3XF, 
is a full season variety that fits that lower mid-south and southeast uh, and works well on both irrigated and dry land acres. And finally, Phytogen last week, in addition to announcing their varieties back in December, uh, announced that their uh, Phytogen Horizon Network growers are going to be able to plant the industry's first reniform-resistant cottonseed varieties on their in-farm trials in 2020. Those varieties include the phytogen breeding trait for reniform resistance, and that gives you uh, some built-in season-long protection against reniform nematodes. And after this initial year with their network growers, phytogen's plans at this point are to launch those reniform resistant varieties in 2021. So uh, things are moving, looking at, uh, at some new activity uh, and some new options coming to the uh, coming to cotton fields near you. Uh, Beltwide has also served as a, a venue to recognize individuals within the cotton industry for contributions and achievements to research and service. And this year, as usual, several honors were, uh, were announced. And the key honors this year went to, first of all, Dr. Dan Froeming, who is Associate Professor and State Specialist in Cotton, Corn, and Crane Sorghum at uh, LSU Ag Center. Uh, Dan was named the 2020 Cotton Specialist of the Year. And that's an annual honor uh, where the winner's selected by a vote of the cotton specialists in the 17 states where cotton is grown. It's, it's really kind of the ultimate peer honor. Yeah, also a very fun uh, award ceremony to go to if, if I were, I was kind of jealous. Of, I'm sure you were there this year. I was there this yeah. year. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a fun group. We will not go into a lot of detail, but yeah, yeah it is. A, yeah. It's, a, it's a fun group. It, depending on who the honoree is, it occasionally devolves into a roast. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yes, Not, didn't quite get that warm this year. Yeah, this year too much respect for Dan. I think it. There you at go. This yeah, point. that always helps. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the 2019 winner of the Cotton Genetics Research Award uh, is Dr. Don Jones, who is the uh, who's Cotton Incorporated's Director of Breeding and Genetics Research. This is an award that's presented by the Joint Cotton Breeding Committee. Uh, Jones has devoted more than 35 years to uh, plant breeding and genetics. He has a long list of industry leading accomplishments to his name, more than I can certainly cover in this, uh, but you can find that list, uh, an article about, uh, about this award uh, currently on cottongrower.com. Congratulations also go to Dr. Seth Bird, who is the Cotton Extension Specialist and Associate Professor at Oklahoma State University. Uh, Seth was a recipient of the Dr. J. Tom Cothran Outstanding Young Cotton Agronomist Award, which is uh, an annual award presented to uh, to someone who's uh, still making, sort of, starting to make their uh, hit their stride in uh, in the cotton work in the U.S. And it's well deserved honors for each of these gentlemen. And one last note, um, when it comes to recognition, the February issue of Cotton Grower, which we are working on right now, will feature a profile of, of Walter Priestley. And Walter is the uh, the winner of the 2019 Joseph J. O'Neill Cotton Marketer of the Year Award that's presented by Ice Cotton and the folks at BASF. Now, Walter from Robstown, Texas, runs a diversified farming operation down in the Coastal Bend area, all while still moonlighting as a professional steer roper in the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association something he's done for years. Uh, there's obviously he has an interesting story and I'm looking forward to bringing it to you in, uh, in the February issue. 
Yeah, very, very good. I'm looking forward to reading that. Nothing but respect for those steer ropers. That's a that's a man's sport there. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I've got the uh, heft to body slam those steers like those guys have to. Anyhow, um, Jim, I'm gonna I'm holding you there. Do you, was that? Did you? Gets everything? No, I think we're good. We're okay, good. very good. Okay, in that case, with your permission, I'm going to hold you there. Um, and uh, we want to go now to that interview that we talked about earlier that you conducted with two very smart, very knowledgeable gentlemen, Dr. O.A. Cleveland and Mr. Gerald Nieper. And um, before we dive into that, I, I guess I could ask you, did these two agree on anything going into 2020 planting and marketing season. You know, surprisingly, they did. Uh, and I, th I think everybody that uh, has been looking at the market indicators, uh, certainly for the last month, uh, I think the December supply-demand report uh, raised optimism and, uh, and proved to be fairly fairly bullish, as I think, as OA puts it, the young bull is getting its legs under it at this point. And, uh, and when we conducted this interview, it was the afternoon before the January report, which uh, I believe has sort of only fueled the optimism just a little bit. But uh, they talked. we talked about the market, we talked about prices, we talked about trade situations, and we did talk about acreage. Uh, so uh, it, it was a very productive, very good, uh, actually fun interview and uh, and i hope everybody will enjoy it well no doubt about that i'm certain it's a fun one so we're going to bring that to y'all right now here are dr oa cleveland and mr gerald nieper welcome to this episode's market segment uh today we're sitting in austin texas at the beltwide cotton conferences the first big cotton meeting of the year each year and uh, and also the, the first opportunity to kind of get a feel from from the market and from the experts in the market of uh, where we might be headed for this year uh, today I'm joined by by two longtime friends uh, and it's and it's good to be face to face with them and, and do this uh, am I live at least Dr. O.A. Cleveland, Professor Emeritus of Ag Econ at Mississippi State, and Gerald Nieper, who's president of uh, TrueCot Commodities. Uh, and I guess you're still based in California, correct? Yes, in Bakersfield. Uh -huh. Okay. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us, uh, for joining me today. Uh, we've got a new year. We have got uh, some new information regarding prices. We've got some new guesses out there for, uh, for the cotton market. Since our last visit, um, and we're just basically saying back in December, how have things changed or evolved in terms of prices, in terms of uh, market movement and things like that? I'll let whoever wants to go first can go first. Well, I think the biggest involvement is the, uh, uh, it seems like the, the Trump administration and the Chinese have come to, to, uh, to an agreement on phase one. Mm -hmm. And that's certainly going to be very beneficial for uh uh, for U.S. growers, I don't care if it's cotton, soybeans, or corn. Um, there's clearly a debate on how beneficial it's going to be in the short term, but certainly in the long term, it's going to be very beneficial for U.S. growers. So I, th I think that's one thing that's helped this market get up here into the into the low 70s so far this year mm -hmm. is the, uh, the the agreement. Now, can we stay up here? You know, that sort of depends on on. Uh, on the world economy, but the world economy, I mean, you look at the U.S. stock market, it's saying that the U.S. economy is in very good shape. I think this agreement is going to help China. They were sort of starting to hit some speed bumps, and this may, you know, flatten out those speed bumps a little bit and get them going. Um, so things are starting to kind of percolate to the upside in terms of just overall 
better economic activity, and, and I think that's going to help cotton consumption and help cotton prices uh, uh, continue to, to move up slowly. I mean, you always say that you climb a wall of worry when prices are rallying, and there's a lot of things to worry about, but it's we're climbing that wall of worry to, mm-hmm. to higher prices. Wouldn't you agree, Obey? Uh, absolutely. We started out, if we recall, or as I recall, back in the November WASD report uh, that was extremely bullish, but the market uh, moved on none whatsoever. But at two weeks after that, the market did move higher. The December WASD was, was bullish, and the market has continued to move higher. We get this report coming out momentarily, and we'll just see if we can continue this momentum. The momentum was enhanced by, as Gerald said, the uh, the, the impending signing of the phase one situation and what we've seen in China the last 48 hours. Uh, the market activity there certainly says that the Chinese are very serious about signing this phase one next week. Uh, and I think that does bode well for old crop cotton as well as new crop cotton. Now, nothing is going to just jump right up. There's still some back and fill that will go on. But I think we begin to gravitate towards 75 cents. Uh, there are some hurdles uh, mm-hmm. on the way there. Uh, I think we'll jump them, but then we'll just have to be- then sit back and wait and see about plantings. We have ideas there, but we'll see what materializes. And then all of a sudden, before we know it, we're going to be in the growing season. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk about plantings for just for just a minute because, you know, cotton grower always we always do our annual acreage survey that shows up in our, our January issue and we posted it on our website January one, and after all of the uh, information came in from from growers and from extension sources around the country and we were able to do our you know country boy ciphering to to put some numbers together we came up to roughly twelve point one million acres for this year that based on USDA's final number last year, it's basically 12%. Uh, Good number? Bad number? What do you think? Well, I think it's a very good number. I think I will tell you and congratulate you, the industry and the entire cotton industry, not only here in the United States, but around the world, looks forward to the Cotton Grower Survey every year. It's uh, it's the very first best guess. It is a true planting intentions, uh, so it should be a best guess. There's some misses, as a one which I should always expect, but uh, I was glad to see it. There have been so many rumors about being down 15%, 20%, uh, and even more that I believe your report was down about 12%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that uh, that's very accurate, not to second guess. I'm assuming that, you know, based on primary, let's just say, primary conditions around December the 15th or so and since then we've had several cent higher increase in prices so I would not I would tend to think that acreage is going to be down only about eight to nine percent as opposed to ten to twelve percent but it's uh, I think it bodes with the, the your report uh, boded bodes well for cotton growers and for the, and the cotton industry so I, I, I like your number I think we'll be able to pull a few more acres than that though well I, I think he, you know, we're we're okay with the number, obviously, and if, yes. if we do nothing, nothing more than set a floor for this market for this year, then we're happy to do that. Yes, uh, we'll see what the National Cotton Council comes up with. Gerald, what do you I, think? Yeah, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I think your number of twelve point one million acres was uh, a little bit of a wake up call. Like, oh, okay, you know, <laughs> uh, and 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 the market has reacted positive. New crop has reacted very positively to that number. Um, 
and you know the corn and soybean uh, futures prices have not risen commensurate with cotton and so you know i think you will set a floor i, d- I do think uh, like always says you know we're, we're going to be down a little bit eight nine percent there's going to be pockets that are a lot more obviously but but i think relative to the grains cotton is looking a little more attractive than it was let's say you know a month ago right yes okay uh oh well, you mentioned the uh the WASDE report that we looked at back in uh, back in December that was the most bullish report we've seen in a while, and uh, and here we are less than 24 hours away from the first report of of, of this year. Uh, any uh, any thoughts on what we might see tomorrow, and, and what kind of where we where the market might end up? how it might react or, or not react? Well, a lot of speculation. I think many of us are looking for a small decrease in the crop size in the U.S., uh, as low as 100,000 bales, as much as 300,000 bales. Uh, and Gerald jumped right in but at any time. But uh, at the same time, USDA may wait until basically the June crop report to give its final number. But I think mm-hmm. there's a little bit smaller crop. Uh, and then we've got places around the globe we can pick at to, to sell a little bit more production here, specifically Brazil, uh, maybe less crop here or there, and maybe a little bit stronger demand somewhere. You know, you wonder why are we at 70 cents? Well, you know, the, the initial crop number that came out of USDA was, what, 23 and a half, and they're, you know, we thought at one point, at least I did, that you know it was going to be hard to keep the U.S. production maybe under 24 million bales, and now we're talking about a U.S. crop that's just under 20 million. Ending stocks, you know, are going to be closer to five million than than eight million bales, and so just a lot of a lot of the supply demand fundamentals here in the United States have mm-hmm. improved dramatically. You typically don't see a lot of adjustments in the month of January at least that's if I'm recalling things right away but uh, so I don't expect to see a big decrease I've heard rumors that maybe a big decrease is coming tomorrow based solely on uh, you know cuts and more cuts in Texas but you know you already cut that crop so severely I don't know what more you can do <laughs> you know in the state what, what of are they Texas. Gonna plant, what are you going to plant instead yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm talking about the, the crop size for for this year so uh-huh. I don't I don't know how much more you can you can cut out of that crop but uh, uh, obviously there's uh, we're going to see some more mm-hmm. so the supply side of the equation is certainly helping prices get back up the demand side, which I think is going to be a little slower coming along, but I think it will mm-hmm. come along, is going to help propel prices probably into that mid-70s to, right. to 77 cent area. You know, a couple of months ago, Owe and I were talking, and, and, you know, I felt like there was a measured move just from a technical perspective to get up to around 77 cents, but you're thinking, you know, this can't be right. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. In order for us to get up there, well, things are starting to come in place, and and uh, as uh, and I'm not, I don't know who exactly came up with the the commentary. Maybe it was Joe O'Neill who said, you know, technicals are always the leading indicator of fundamentals, <laughs> you know, and so these technicals are saying that prices should continue to continue to move higher. Mm-hmm. You knew Joe well. How, what would he think of this market? 
Well, Joe loved every market. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't find a market he didn't like. <laughs> but Joe was always famous for making the comment that uh, good markets come out of demand. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would be looking for the demand side, and, uh, and, and we all should be looking at the demand side. Demand was begin, be, being talked down somewhat last year, but it's beginning to be talked up again somewhat. So, so Joe would like the market. Uh, also, Joe would talk in terms of the market being uh, coming off of 56, 58 cents, 59 cents, running through the 60s, and just now touching 70 cents. He would be looking for a market that would tend to want to look to the mid-70s before it began to make adjustments. That the, the somewhat, I don't want to say long-run equilibrium, but the, the, the ten trending long-run equilibrium is going to be in the, in the low 70s to the high 70s. So getting around 75 cents is what, uh, what, what that's where we want to begin our job. The market begins its job of rationing either, either uh, supply or, or bringing more land in, into production. Mm-hmm. Have we finally caught the attention of the spec markets? Yes. Point. Yes. Specs have been uh, short cotton. They've uh, let go, let go loose of those shorts. They and Gerald helped me. They're ready to come back in. They're beginning to come back in the market, but they have a world of money to put back in on the long side of cotton. I think some of the heavy lifting has been done by pr- precisely what OA said is that the, the specs have been covering shorts. Right now, you know, do they make the decision of just hey, let's go long? And I, I think we're very close to that point of where they're just going to say, you know, this thing looks good to, to continue moving higher. If we get a f- somewhat friendly report tomorrow, you know, not only is uh, supply demand supposed to come out on Friday, but the export sales report's going to come out tomorrow. And if the combination of those two are are sufficient enough, you know, it may bring in a, a pretty good chunk of buying. Mm-hmm. So basically, I think we can we can say. From December to to now, there's there's enough enough evidence out there, enough movement to kind of reassure the market that things are going to be okay. <clears throat> right, and you just have the natural seasonality of sure. the market anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, typically around Thanksgiving time is when the low part of the market is. Of course, we hit that a little earlier this year, but now you know we're moving into the early springtime where you know the job of the market is to assure that there's enough acres to mm-hmm. meet demand for the following year. And with the signing of the Chinese agreement, uh, um, no telling where the demand is, but I think people are feeling like it's going to be better than it than what we've seen this year so far. I think that's real, very, very true. We'll we'll see an enhancement uh, with, with respect to the sales to China. I've not been as as pro uh, bullish uh, a response from the settlement of the tariff issue as some others, and I'm not so much now, but. Uh, uh, Gerald and others have made the comment to me a number of times, well, it just removes this uncertainty surrounding mm-hmm. the market. And that's very important to any market. It's very important to a speculator to get rid of that uncertainty. So yeah. it makes it easier for them to come to the cotton market. Absolutely. Well, I guess it's a great way to start a new year, and uh, and we'll just kind of see where things go. Obviously, the, what the next acreage report will come from the National Cotton Council here. Right. Mid-February, right. yep. and, then, and then we sit and wait to see what USDA says toward the end of March. Yep. Uh, so, again, if, if we're sitting as the floor, I'm, I'm perfectly content That's right. with it's, that. That's, 
Gentlemen, we're going to, to, we're going to have to wrap this up and, and let it go, but I thank you both for joining me today. It's always a pleasure to get to be face-to-face with you, and I uh, certainly appreciate your input on this. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. All right. Now, here's the rest of the Cotton Companion. So, all right. Now, we want to give a big thank you to OA and to Gerald, who are always so much fun to visit with and always very generous with their time. A big shout out to Jim for, as I say, wrangling those two in for a dual Market Minute interview. Uh, such, a, such a good way to... Uh, to do that thing. So, okay, that's going to just about do it for this installment of the Cotton Companion podcast. We want to thank Phytogen for sponsoring us, and we want to thank you, dear listener, for joining us. Please tell your, if you like what you hear, and tell your buddies about us. Uh, that's the best form of marketing we can have for this podcast is you guys to tell your friends about us. And when you do that, tell them they can get to us in three easy ways. The first, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion. When you do that, you'll go to a landing page that has all 63 of our episodes now. Uh, The second way, you can subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever it is that you find your podcast these days. The third way, the best way, is to sign up for our e-newsletter, the Cotton Grower e-news. And you can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, make sure you're following us on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you can find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. Uh, we hope that you're enjoying our, you are enjoying our latest issue, uh, the January one, which is in your mailboxes now. It's got that acreage survey as well as a feature story on our 2019 Cotton Grower Achievement Award honoree. And uh, that is Mr. Dalen Hancock from out there in West Texas. So uh, we wish you and your family a happy new year. Uh, and uh, we hope that uh, 2020 is going to be a great one as we go forward and get into it. This podcast is produced by Kim Henderson, who works at the Mothership. She's filling in for uh, our normal guy, Tyler. And uh, she works there at the Mothership Meister Media Worldwide as well in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio. My name is Beck Barnes, and I'm going to be back with you in two weeks for the next episode of The Cotton Companion. For now, on behalf of my own Cotton Companion, Jim Stebman, we wish you and your farm all the best. Phytogen thanks you for listening to this edition of The Cotton Companion. To learn how you can thrive with Phytogen, go to phytogen.com. God